for the Signal 50 Podcast, where we talk about the R-Truth about today's current events. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Signal 50 Podcast with your hosts, Alpha and Bravo. Bravo, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Hello, my friend. What a great time to do another show. You know, I'm feeling rather nostalgic right now after our last show, and uh, that kind of spurred the next topic for today's discussion. Who remembers when? Well, you know, it, it, it just, the world is changing, is a changing place, changing really fast. And we're, we're in kind of a weird generation where we've seen, you know, a mix of the old, old school and new school. And I, I, I'm, I don't like what I see today, mm. but you know, anyhow, anyhow, thanks a lot, everybody for joining us. Uh, if you're joining us on your favorite podcast platform, thank you very much. Please make sure to follow us on rumble for the video version of the program. We appreciate that. You can also catch us on Twitter. Uh, the link will be in the show notes for you. Uh, and, you know, please like, share, and subscribe, retweet, like, whatever we post up there really helps us out quite a lot. You know, we're over on Getter. We post everything over there at Bravo Golf 592 and at Alpha Sierra 288. And we've got quite a few downloads, and, and things are moving along quite swimmingly. And we do appreciate that. Thanks a lot. We had to put that little bit of housekeeping in up front to, you know, keep things moving along. So, yeah, the topic of today's program is kind of nostalgia, but uh, <laughs> it's getting getting weird out there, isn't it, Bravo? It is. Well, it's getting to a place where we don't recognize, and then anything we try and do to correct it is being run over almost, uh, just, just steamrolled uh, and not paid attention to. And I think that's, uh, that's why um, I think everyone's going to get a kick out of today's show because we're going to kind of reminisce, but we're also going to do some problem solving today. We're going to ask the audience for your input. We want to you know we're not going to sit by anymore and watch our country go to pot because uh, a few people in the elitist class want to take it away from us. So I think that's that's something that we're going to try and start moving towards is, hey, you know what? Let's start putting our heads together. We're all smart people. We all have different ideas. I think we can we can come up with something and, and do something good. That's my opinion. I don't think individually we have any answers, but I think together we could come up with a few. But, uh, yep. you know, that being said, again, welcome back to the program. What we like to do up front is we we go over some of the news stories that are out there that um, seem to have been left by the wayside and people aren't really talking about because, you know, the next big thing just happened, you know. So and, and we're, we're really taking our eyes off of. um taking our eyes off the prize a little bit, a little distraction going on, a little shell game that the Ministry of Propaganda likes to play on everybody. Three-card Monty sound familiar? Yeah, really is. I have more respect for the three-card Monty guy. At least he's making his living honestly because everybody <laughs> knows the rules. Yeah. Well, anyhow, go ahead. Kick All right, off. well, let's uh, let's open the books here. I want to give a hat tip to Jack Basovic, who... Um, you know, we're not we're not in this to make any money or anything. We're here to get the information out. And we as uh, co-hosts of the Signal 50 podcast um, do a lot of we, we're consumers of that that current events uh, streaming. And Jack Basovic's one of my go to's. He actually has a great podcast uh, where he does it all in like 25 minutes, <laughs> you know, quick and to the point. So but he talks about he, he was talking about um OpenTheBooks.com, OpenTheBooks.com, where they found that Fauci, um, well, Fauci the fraud's back, and he's been doling out 
30, over $30 billion and to these different uh, scientific adventures, all the different things, that, all the funding and all the, the experiments and the studies, that's where the money comes from. And the problem with having single source funding and, and no um, entrepreneurial thoughts or, you know, starting on your own and doing it on your own is that it all has to, it's a big circle. So if you follow the money, there's been hundreds of millions of dollars that comes back to the NIH. Okay. And then that hundreds of million dollars that do come back, it's our government that is, that basically has funded the pandemic. Now, people are going to say COVID, I'm not saying COVID didn't happen. I'm saying COVID wasn't bad. No, but the, the money that was going to the Wuhan labs was found by this organization. Okay. So again, follow the money and the government workers like um, uh, Fauci and his old boss who left, uh, Alfie, remember his name? I forget his name. Uh, the, the old director. No, I don't remember um, his name. Yeah. You know, they, he, he's left now. They were, and all the other uh, bureaucrats are, are tagged as co-inventors of these, these particular studies. And once you know it, the money goes lines right in their pockets and Fauci's, you know, that's over $350 million that have gone back to these government workers. Now, the, correct me if I'm wrong, Alpha, isn't government supposed to be selfless and, and supposed to be uh, civil service and for the, the betterment of the country, of the, uh, of the, of your citizens of a country, at least well, in the United States? My understanding is government's not supposed to be a for-profit enterprise. Well, it is. Hmm. And it's, and it's lining the pockets of Fauci the fraud. So, Sure. There's there's some evidence right there. Again, a story you will not hear on the mainstream media. Fox News is dead to me right now. I cannot stand them. Um, Tucker is even kind of being uh, the reins are being pulled on him a little bit. So they're part of the problem, not the solution. So we share that with you because you need to know. So that's one one thing. Um, another quick one here. I'll just because this is something that has been bothering me. Uh, I have a I have a couple of nephews who uh, uh, that need baby formula because they're infants and you can't give them milk. You can't, you know, they need the nutrition and uh, some moms can't breastfeed. That's just the way it works. Okay. Um, but we found we, the, the baby formula is in short supply, but it is making the news. Um, and the thing that really bothers me is it all started with a couple of tainted baby formula uh, that the FDA went into Abbott Labs, who makes Similac, which is one of the biggest brands of formula, or was right off of because yes, yeah. there's bacteria tainting of that that formula, and once you know it, uh, it's been it was shut down. They did the cleaning, and the FDA and in, in my digging because I was wondering why is it taking so long for them to get this up and running again? Well, the FDA won't uh, give them the certification, to open up the lab again to make baby formula. Now, there's other baby formulas, you know, there's different labs, but they do like store brands and things like that. But there's specialty formulas that some yeah. infants yeah. need because of nutrition requirements or, or issues. Pediatricians will go to this that, you know, again, the breast milk is not, not working for the parents or whatever the case may be. But the FDA will not authorize these uh, laboratories to open up again. So what do you, what do you know? 
So we're like, uh, we haven't had formula in a week, you know, months. And now we have shortages and shelves are bare and grandmothers and mothers and dads are all running around trying to find formula. They're driving with these huge uh, gas prices right off of all the oh, way yeah. to Timbuktu to find baby formula. Well, Florida representative Kat Kamrick, Kamick, C-A-M-M-A-C-K from Florida, yep. Republican, uh, decided to take a little trip down to the border because, you know, it's, of course, an open door down there it's come on in the weather is fine and the water's good come on in well she found the um the baby formula and that baby formula is in pallets and pallets of baby formula that they're giving to the immigrants there are signs on them that say do not take so the illegal immigrants are being fed the babies are being fed and our own citizens and especially the infants are starving so now look at the different things that the Biden administration is putting all together here. You got the abortion issue, you know, Roe versus Wade. You got uh, shortages, gas prices are through the roof. And we'll get into this in a little bit, Alpha, but I think there's a planned devolution or destruction of the country because this is, I would say, um, well, manufactured crisis number 1001. Well, you, you want to look at it that way, and, and that's okay. Um, you know, your, your opinion is, is valid. Of course. Um, I would look at it a little bit differently. I would look at sure. this as, you know, it's either, either purposeful or it's malicious or it's just incompetence. And all those things go in. Yeah. They're all, they're all linked. They're all related. Yeah. They are. And I think they, they, they may be, but yeah. I, I think that maybe it's, First of all, it's ridiculous. The whole yeah. situation is ridiculous. I mean, it's it's just insane. That's all anybody's talking about. Right. Okay. Baby formula, baby formula, baby formula. All right. Got it. What aren't we talking about? The border. <laughs> right. We're not talking about the border. We're not talking about the next thing that we're going to talk about. We're, we're not talking about all the other things. Right. And and Bill Gates is out there. He's got some kind of a synthetic breast milk that he's developed with some company oh. now. Oh, Jesus. This is just insane. I don't believe in coincidences. I think you could be right. I, I don't want to look at it. I look at it as just absolute abject incompetence. But I could be wrong. So yeah. I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on that situation. I know that this is causing a lot of anxiety uh, with a lot of parents out there. And... Uh, well, I, I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed in my my short time on this this earth uh, that we would be seeing this type of shortages and uh, just just irrationality in this country. And yeah, it's, it's got to stop. Well. You know, the, the next the next big shortage that everybody's talking about or, or some people are starting to talk about the truckers were talking about this two months ago. Mm -hmm. We're going to run into a diesel fuel shortage in this country um, and we don't power semi trucks with broccoli. Right. No. They're not electric. They're not broccoli powered. They're not gasoline powered. They're diesel powered. OK, for a reason, for a lot of reasons. Number one. Diesel is already at an all-time high, and I don't know if you've been to the grocery store lately. 
Have yeah. you been to the grocery store lately? I've been in the grocery store. The shelves are bare. There's nothing on the shelves. There's, you know, but I'm not seeing a lot of trucks either. I don't see a lot of shortages. What I'm seeing is I'm just seeing prices that are um, absolutely sky high. Oh, there are uh, shelves that are bare. Well, I, I'm not seeing that in my area, thankfully. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are certain items that are in and out. You know, it, it is what it is. I mean, that's fine. That happens normally. You know, the ebb and flow. Um, it's just it's just not going to work out well when there's no diesel fuel or right. when we, we, we just can't move goods. You know, there was a trucker a few months ago. He was pretty he was pretty famous for uh, a little TikTok video that he made. He's like, hey, you know what? You know what powers this truck? Diesel fuel. It cost me three hundred dollars to fill this thing up, you know, a month ago. Now it's costing me six hundred dollars to fill it up to do the same job. And he says, maybe in another couple of months, it's going to cost me twelve or thirteen hundred dollars to fill this up. He said, what are you going to do when a gallon of milk is eleven dollars and fifty cents? Right. Does anybody not understand the impact across the supply chain that the cost of energy? Puts well, it's also the government policy. I mean, we talked about drill, baby drill and everything else, but the refineries, you know, there, this is, uh, this is an important part and component of this. You just can't take oil. You get out of the ground and throw it into a truck or a car. It has to be refined. And diesel fuel is the byproduct of refining gasoline. And it's, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the F, excuse me, the EPA is yanking permits from back when we weren't really using a lot of fuel during the lockdown. And they're continuing that of holding permits to allow these uh, companies to open back up again. And of course, you know, the, the companies that own these refineries are basically mothballing their refineries. So what are you going to do? You're going to go call Russia, Russia for diesel fuel. I mean, it's just, this is insane. We have a way to fix this and we need to do it, but we're, be, we're told to shut up and keep quiet and don't say anything. Well, I find it very interesting that in, in 17 short months, we went from a net exporter of energy to having to import it. Yeah, so that's on, that, that's, that's, on Brandon, that's on President Brandon's uh, shoulder. That's right. And that's, and that's the end of that discussion. I mean, yeah. everybody really needs to be paying attention to this. What's mm -hmm. it going to be like when gas, you know, gasoline is $7 a gallon across the country. We had an all-time high in gasoline prices today. It's not stopping. I don't see no. any end in sight. No, there will be no end in sight. And we're going to have shortages, and the price is going to go higher and higher and higher and higher. Supply and demand, man. And it's just going to be the way it's going to be. When, when diesel hits $10 a gallon, you won't be able to feed your family. No. Period. Do you think that the truckers pay the price of that? Or do you think that the oh, the truckers pay initially? But it's passed on to us. Though. It's all passed on. All those costs are part of the GNA calculation. Your overhead costs that go into the cost of goods sold. Right. A gallon of milk is going to be $11 a gallon. Trust me. Trust me when I tell you this. It's insane. It's insane. If it if there's a hundred gallons, if there's if there's a hundred gallon containers of milk on a truck and they get delivered to the store and it's $10. It, it costs, you know, a hundred gallons of diesel to get it to the stores and gas diesel is $10 a gallon. You better believe that the price of milk is going to go up. Exactly. So that's just the way that goes on to the next story. Uh, the, the latest thing, Ukraine, oh, Ukraine. Well, 
you know, you, you put this down and I want to talk about it a little bit. Sure. Russia is, you know, they're oh. showing the receipts of Western corruption, the Azov Battalion committing war crimes. Yep. And I added a little ditty in there. So are the Russians, right? Everybody's, right. everybody's behaving very badly over there. And it's, it's, it's insane. Um, there's no end in sight to that. No, and the story, again, you have to have a little bit of uh, skepticism because what story are we getting from anybody except, you know, you got U2, uh, the, the band from the 80s, performing in Ukraine. Now, last time I checked, when they hit that with a bomb or something? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Why are our senators there? Why are our politicians there? Are there is, it, is it because their favorite money launderer is in trouble? Yeah, Joe Biden was there too, by the way. Jill was there, huh? Jill. Yeah, great. Jill. Yeah. Jill yeah. Biden was there. Good old Dr. J. You know, doctor. She's got a doctor of education. Yeah. Congratulations. That doesn't make you a physician. She's got a, she's got a PhD in bedtime stories. Good for her. <laughs> no, it's another... actually a department of education. It's not even a PhD. Just so you'd be identical. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Another yep. smart, stupid person. That's right. Smart, stupid. Just like Dan Bongino says. That's right. Smart, you know, stupid. Why, you know, look, we, we, we can't feed our kids, right? We, we've right. got... We've got shortages of everything. We've got families in need of things here in this country by by no doing of their own. I mean, the government of this country is completely out of control. They've screwed everybody with the cost of living, the the energy prices, the shortages, the baby formula, the this, the that's, the uncontrolled immigration that we're paying for, all these people coming into this country, and we're signing a check for $40 billion to send to Ukraine. Well, hold that for one second, my friend. Alpha, here comes Senator Rand Paul to the rescue. Uh, yeah, the so, lone, the lone voice of sanity in Washington D.C. He actually did some kind of procedural move to, to basically block it. Uh, actually, genius. Again, you have to have a master's degree in parliament parliamentarian uh, <laughs> procedure to get that to, to stop. So I. God, kudos to I, you know someone's going to try and get this up and running but right now you know we still have troops over there in poland and it's just they really want a war they really 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 want to go to war and i'm i say no thanks not interested but. no and what what did rand do he he insisted that an inspector general oversee the fort the money yeah because it is going all over god's creation to other people i think there's it's definitely uh, payouts and, and, and corruption galore. And we just don't have the money. We just print it out of thin air and it just doesn't work that way. So. Well, it just hurts everybody in the end. You know, you want to know where inflation comes from. This is where inflation comes from. Keep printing it. Keep printing money that we can't back up with GDP. Right. We're exactly. upside down. We're upside down. And we're, when it's, our debt is unrecoverable. We're going to, our money is going to become monopoly money soon enough. Mm. it's insane and they just don't see they just don't want to stop and you know and, and just as a side note why would they continue to double down on stupid which is what what the what this administration's doing unless they really feel that they have it in the bag for the midterm election i i mean i gotta raise my raise my uh alarm here when it comes to the election you gotta make sure that these elections we get out and vote and we vote these idiots out of office <laughs> about to say something else and make sure they can't cheat you know they want the they want the pandemic to come back so that people are scared or they make it the, so expensive to go you know to get gas that they need mail-in voting i mean they're desperate 
right now to control the election. But if you look at what's going on right now, there's an underswell of people that are just have had it. And, you know, the, the other uh, catalyst in all this is 2000 mules. That movie is doing again, gangbusters making yes. millions of dollars and they need to recoup the, the money that it took to make this movie and collect all the data, but it's being suppressed by the lamestream media. And that's what they are. They're not talking about it. So there's, there is definitely an information blackout out there, everyone. So make sure you get out there and look around and look for information and be skeptical like we're telling you to do so that you can find out your own answers. Do your own research. Don't take my word for it. You find out the answers and confirm it with us. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I, I can't, you know, they're on a suicide course. Yes. And, and all the signs are pointing toward, towards oblivion by all of the talking heads. You know, even the Democrat pundits, you know, Carville and all those guys are like, you, you guys are cruising for a bruising in the midterms. Well, I hope so. But the problem is you cannot have these lame rhino in sheep's clothing type or wolf's clothing, excuse me, in like uh, Kevin McCarthy has to go. He cannot be the speaker. No. And, McCar uh, and McConnell, excuse He's me, McConnell go. has got to go also. We need Lindsey Graham's got to go. I hate yes. that guy. I hate MAGA, that guy. MAGA, MAGA, make America great again. Wait a minute. First American choice. Ultra MAGA. Ultra. Oh. And we've the king. Promoted. We've been promoted. Return of the king. Return of the ultra MAGA king. <laughs> Can make a movie out of it. That's right. Oh, my God. Anyway. God, the campaign ads just write themselves, don't they? They do. Anyhow. So moving from, moving from our um, quick hits... Uh, to what we like to call nostalgia and mentorship. So yeah. one of the things um, Alpha and I were talking about before we started the show was remember when, <laughs> I mean, we kind of, we kind of started reminiscing a little bit last show and, and, and uh, I appreciate everyone's comments and uh, you know, we hope we gave you a little insight of who we are. We don't want to get out there and say what our names are. It's not important, but the mentorship and the, the way the way life's going right now, I really feel like that guy sitting on the porch saying, I remember when. Yeah. And you're sitting there rocking chair, drinking your iced tea and saying, gosh, what happened? And there's something about tradition and there's something about doing things the way you and I did Alpha while growing up. Because there was a lot of, uh, this was brought on again by Jack Pasovic. He, he put out a tweet about Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah. Remember this? And he goes out there and he puts it out there uh, as a picture of what happened to Pizza Hut. Now, when I was a kid, we used to go to Pizza Hut. And was it the best pizza in the world? No. Oh, but, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Dial that back a second. All right. So everybody understands we're, we're, we're Gen Xers, right? Yep. Uh, my mom cooked pretty much every meal. Mm -hmm. um, and your mom, I know she cooked pretty much every meal. Every meal. Yep. And when you got to go out to dinner, it was kind of, uh, it wasn't like routine. No, it, it was a fairly look pizza hut by today's standards. Okay. Uh, we get it. All right. But it was, it was like one of the only games in town when we were kids. Right. And it was, you know, decent and it was an event. It was, a, it was something that you didn't do every day. No, there's a salad bar. You had a video oh, game yeah. console, the yeah. tabletop. You can actually sit at the tabletop and play a video game. And yeah. these are the old joystick and the, you know, Pac-Man and all this other yeah, stuff. These kids have no idea what you're talking about. I know, but I'm just saying that people that are, you know, 
you know, there, there was a, there was a little bit of nostalgia there. I mean, Atari 2600 was the beginning of home <laughs> consoles. Yeah. And there was nothing better than taking the tank and shooting it to the other way. And if you had it set and you had the right game, you could actually make the tank go from one side to the other and shoot, shoot uh, at angles. And yes, the graphics <laughs> were very rudimentary, but it was a lot of fun to play that. And it was hours of fun. It was more of, um, you know, it was right. like true competition or well, ping pong, you know, the little block, the little line there moved up and down with a pat, you know, you had a look, dial. Look, we, okay. we grew up, we grew up, we grew up in the era when, you know, you had to go home when the street lights kicked on. That's right. right. Okay. Uh, most people's home computers, their first computers had 34 K of memory. Okay. So let's just, let's just put things into perspective. You know, we, right. we sit, we sit here and we look at things that are going on right now and, and, and Jack Posobiec put that up and, and Bravo got a little nostalgic about it. And, and I get it. And I'm the same way because, you know, we take for granted now what was special then. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, and that's a big part of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I remember when teachers actually taught and were influential on us uh, in terms of uh, thinking and how to do things, but there was never any personal discussions about, their private lives. I thought the teachers lived in the school for crying out loud. They never went home. <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. I knew absolutely zero about a teacher's private life. And after the fact, I understood that there were some teachers that, you know, lived a little bit different lifestyle than what will, what you might've thought long after the fact, but they never made a big deal about it. They never no. said a word no, because it wasn't part of what you needed to know. I mean, I had my first male teacher in fourth grade and it, no, no, I'm sorry, fifth grade. And he was a big influence on me because he understood that I needed a little bit of discipline. I'm not saying whacked over the head or anything like that, but he got me kind of shocked me into reality. So those yeah. are things that, you know, they make a difference. Uh, and, and his mentorship really got me where I needed to be to, to, to live to my potential. So, right. And I'm sure there are teachers today that do that, but it's so, they're so overwhelmed by all the other nonsense that you have to do. It's to, noise. It's just noise. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's exactly what it is. It's all noise. And the, and the real signal is, you know, we got we to gotta pass on what we've learned to our, to our kids so that we can continue to have a country. What we're seeing right now is a breakdown of tradition. And, well, and it's a breakdown in a lot of values. And, and where I see it is, you know, the value of education, you know, you look back and you don't know what you had until it's gone. Uh, you and I both had the, you and I both had public school educations that were worthwhile, mm -hmm. right? We had teachers that taught us, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic and, yep. you know, how to, how to behave and, and social norms. And we understood just the facts and we weren't taught about feelings and it was a much different time. It was a much different time. What I see these days is teachers are just teaching kids how to yell and scream about differences. Right. And, and not really be so concerned about what's really important. And, and blame. I, blame oh, everyone else except yourself. Take responsibility for yourselves, everyone. Right? That's, that's what I'm trying to. Right. And that, mo that, moves us on, that moves us on to the next thing that we're nostalgic about. Bravo and I grew up you know, in the era of come home when the streetlights are on. Right. Okay. We all knew who the cops were. 
Yep. And they all knew who we were. That's right. And we respected them too. Oh, because they knew who our parents were. That's right. And if you screwed up and they caught you, what's the first thing they did? They dragged your ass home and then they sat you down in front of your parents and they say, this is what little Johnny was up to. Mm. How do you want to handle it? Nowadays, they call oh. an ambulance to get their kids out of there because they're gorked up on psychiatric medicine and they're all you know, <laughs> acting out and it's just ridiculous. Well, not only that, I mean, look, the, the next topic we're going to talk about, we'll get a little bit of a little bit of how society has really hit the skids here a little bit in some of the interactions I've had lately. But that taught us a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, th- there's a big component to scared straight. Right. Yep. And the cops, when we were kids, they didn't ta- they didn't suffer fools ever, nope. ever. If you were good to them, they were good to you. It doesn't matter what color you are. So don't play that card with me. Right. I don't, don't play it. I don't, don't believe in it. Don't care. Nope. I don't. Police officer it. had, you know, a badge and the respect went along with it. And Absolutely. That's, that's what I learned. And, the, and let's, let's remember back when uh, July, you know, July 4th was a huge thing and patriotism was cost. Yes. Uh, oh, I'll go you one further. We we said the Pledge of Allegiance every morning in the classroom. So and nobody and nobody yeah. got offended. No. Do you know and why it, nobody got offended? Do you know why? Uh, because it was the norm. Well, <laughs> it was what was expected. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing in the classroom, no matter what color, what religion, what race, whatever mm-hmm. sexuality it doesn't make any difference. We're all Americans. First. That's right. And now everybody wants to take their own identity and say, oh, the Pledge of Allegiance and the flag is offensive. You know what? I don't think so. Right. It's you know, back in the day when religion was respected. Yes. You know, and it was a it was a part of the family and, and tradition again. Uh you had busing that went from, you know, to religious education from public school. I was that's right. I was in Hebrew school three times a week, uh, besides school and Sunday and Sundays. Oh, that was three times a week. Yeah. Anyway, were, were um, you on the, were you on the Sunday, Monday, Wednesday routine? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it was a little bit more, uh, you and I both grew up Jewish. So, and, That's uh, right. we, uh, both bar mitzvah and, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing more that, that helps someone get ready to speak in front of a large group of people. And when you're 13 and your voice is cracking and you have to say a different <laughs> language in, in, a, yeah. in a singing voice uh, to talk about that week's, uh, uh, it was called a Torah portion. Like, just like De- uh, uh, Dennis Prager talks about, we read a portion, then we did a Haas Torah, and then we did a speech. And that that scared me. Um, I remember being nervous beforehand, but after I did it, uh, I never had a problem speaking in front of a group again. Oh. Right. You're trying to recite a uh, a passage from the Torah in a language that you don't necessarily understand. You can read it, but you don't really you, understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I've been to Israel a million times, yeah. and, and it's really interesting. And everyone says, oh, don't you speak Hebrew? I'm like, ah, I can read it. I can <laughs> I read, I read, it. read it. Well, then they always say, how does that work? I don't understand what the value of that is. I'm like, I don't understand what the value is either. It was something I had to do when I was I can a read kid. it. <laughs> I can read it like hell, but I can't. I don't understand it. Right. But, you know, hey, listen, you know, there were 
kids that went to uh, they went to a Catholic or um, yep. uh, another, you know, uh, parochial educational um, alternative, sometimes in the mornings mm-hmm. uh, during the school week and the school bus would take them and pick them up. And and it was kind of it was kind of nice. Right. Yeah. And, and we I learned that, from them, too. That was another thing, too. The conversations we used to have. Oh, sure. Sure. As kids, I mean, yeah, yeah, a little rivalry here and there, but you never, yeah. you never were mean about it. You always wanted to learn about it. You know, we didn't understand what what religious discrimination or racism was. Right, we never, never came. We were all we we're all thrown together in the fishbowl, and we had to get along. Right, and nobody was any better or any worse or any different. We were just kids. We were just That's people. Right. And now it's everybody's got to be different, and this no stop. That's we're all Americans first. doesn't matter exactly. your religion Just get along, you know, look, and another thing that we, you know, we were talking about in nostalgia, if you screwed up, it didn't matter who you screwed up in front of, like an adult, like our, people our age now, mm. back then discipline was handed down swiftly and yes. decisively. Yes. If you screwed up bad enough, a total stranger can give you a smack. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's going to happen is he's going to tell he or she is going to tell your parents what they did and why. And then you were going to get it again. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing worse than when I was growing up was wait until your father gets home. <laughs> wait till I tell your dad what you did. Wait till your father finds out. I'm like, I dreaded that more than anything else. And it wasn't, oh it wasn't, a, yeah. I mean, the only time I got spanked was when I really was out of line or something and never did it again. I mean, there, there's some, there's a lesson in that. Absolutely. And people are saying, don't hit your kids. Just hit. No, no. Nobody's advocating to hit your kids. We're not having, that's, that's right. But there is something that there are things I remember that I never would do again, but Punish, it wasn't. Pun- punishment was swift, sure decisive and punitive that's right and being grounded for a month where you're in your room no tv no uh no friends not allowed to do anything yeah all you could do is read a book or you know something you know like read a book we didn't have computers there weren't any games you were in your room and you had to think about it and there were weeks on end i was grounded for because i did some really bad stuff never did it again exactly you learned some lessons. Now there's no penalty for anything. No, it's uh, it's uh, empty words, right? Yep. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no discipline at home. There's no discipline in schools. There's it's no talk back to the adults. I mean, it's just oh, ridiculous. it's terrible. And there, there's no, there's no penalty for bad behavior anymore. And it's just nope. crazy. You know, you know, one thing that I'm going to say, um, our generation, and and to an extent, it's out there now. People, people our age. Um, we, we had some valuable experiences in school that mm-hmm. I'm not sure that these kids are having now. And there's inside of school, valuable opportunity and outside of school, valuable opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but one of the most valuable courses I ever took in school was auto shop. Yeah. I took, I took it too. I took it the same they don't, thing. Where they in- don't, I don't know if we're in the same class or not, but I remember. I don't know. It. I don't remember, but they don't, I'm not sure they teach those things anymore. They don't teach wood shop anymore. Somebody could get hurt. You know what? Kids get hurt. It's fine. I, I filed my nail on my thumb down on the belt sander. <laughs> never did that again. No. 
It's like touching the hot stove. You only do that once, right? That's right. I was like, ouch, that hurts. And, yeah, you know, they, a friction burn and the nail was filed down all the way. But, you these know, parents, these parents today, I mean, if, if your kid came home and I know you'd be okay, uh, you're, you'd probably be okay. But a lot of parents that would be our age, if their kid came home and said, Dad, today I used a radial arm saw in school. Oh my God. Oh, they'd be Everybody suing. Would, like, they'd have be a hemorrhage. Holy court crow. injunctions, and oh my oh, god, god, it's ridiculous. We were we were using arc welders, cutting torches, mm-hmm. uh, band saws, tape. Well, we weren't allowed to touch the table saw. That was the only thing we weren't <laughs> allowed to touch. And I did have a shop teacher with only three fingers. Yeah, that happens. Uh, drill presses, hand tools, power tool. You name it. We were using. It. We were 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, best class out. ever. The best oh, class was, ever. Oh, I, I had the metal. clock from my parents. You know that clock, the wooden clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleaned it, put it together. Had to use a router to get the edges. It was, it was valuable. Not that I could put a house together, but it, you know, I put a clock together. You learn things. I mean, you yeah. learn things, and and you learned how to use your hands, and you and and they had vocational programs that people could go to that learned valuable life skills. Yeah, and Bosi's uh, was a big, you know, learning it was a how to big deal, right? Heavy construction vehicles and operating that stuff, and then Bosey's was they taught nursing. You could become right. you could become an LPN by the time you graduated high school. That's you right. could get your RN a year after you graduated high school for free. Yep. yep. And those anymore. kids came out of school with an eighty thousand dollar education by the time they're nine eighty thousand dollar income by the time they're nineteen years old. Yep. And they went on to be docs, PAs, whatever. Absolutely. You know, you looked at the kids that went to the vocational education programs. You looked at them a little cockeyed because you were the academic type and you were getting straight A's or whatever. And school just wasn't for them. Little did you know that those are the kids that are out there doing the things. Right. They were the ones they, they, they got the big jobs and had big businesses and did well. Did their own businesses. They had making their own money. They did well. They're still doing well. They're good, good folks. And then there's the mentorship aspect of, mm-hmm. of when we went to school. Some of our teachers were real good mentors. Yeah. My auto shop teacher was definitely a mentor to me. And, Absolutely. And it carried on to today. So. Absolutely. You know, they taught us a lot of very valuable life skills. How many kids out there know how to look at a used car mm. to understand if it's something they should buy or not, if they have time to inspect the car? Would they even know what to look at? Right. Do you know how to look underneath the oil cap, see if it's black or brown or burnt, smell a burn smell, look out the tailpipe, see if there's blue smoke coming out the back or white smoke, what that means. I mean, things like that. And people have been buying these cars and have lemon issues. I mean, could have, could have all been avoided. Could have been avoided. But that brings well, us to the next discussion point. I think that's yeah. uh, important is that it is so all this nostalgia especially Alpha and I just kind of walked down memory lane again, but what is it? What does it really mean? I think there's a systemic destruction of the country and it's purposeful. And I think Alpha and I disagree a little bit on this, but I, 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 I reject the systemic racism. I think it's a narrative. I don't think that's the real issue here. The real problem is what I call systemic destruction, destruction of this country purposefully because of someone that, wants to control and i'm talking about the elite and the lead you know the people that are in leadership because they're they're making all the money and they don't feel that we as citizens have the right to have that same opportunity and i think that's the real issue and the equality of opportunity 
is much different than what happened, um, you know, the equality of outcome. That's right. So, you know, and right. equality, you know, everyone should have the chance. We should all have those opportunities. Everybody has the same opportunity. That's right. Have the same opportunity. You do with, you know, you you decide you want to sit in your mom's basement and, and tweet away all day nowadays and not make anything of yourself. It's not my fault. But the well, problem is, it I'll, does go turn you one, I'll go you one further. Okay. Yep. You take a kid that goes to a rich school district, right? Yep. They go to a wealthy school district like, uh, I'm not even going to give an example. Just take an upper middle class community with a very, very good school district, right? A mm -hmm. moderate sized school district, you know, 2,000 kids and below, which is a, a good target to two, 3,000 kids in the entire district, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe closer to two. Um, I think you, I went to one, you went to one. Yep. Pretty close, right? We're pretty, yep. pretty equal. I would say that the quality of education that we got overall was very good, right? Yes. Yep. All right. Now you take a kid and we went to school. We showed up every day, right? Yep. Our parents made sure we went every day, right? That's right. Our parents made sure we did our homework, right? And if we didn't, punishment was swift and sure, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. So we all had the, so you and I both had the same opportunity handed to us. Here's your public school. Here's the assignments. Here's the curriculum. Here's the three R reading, writing, and arithmetic. And go get them, right? Go get them. You take a kid in an inner city school, right? Yep. Same curriculum. Reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? That's right. You have the no. opportunity to go to school, right? Um, maybe <laughs> if there no. was a pandemic. Well, okay. Let's leave that alone. Okay. All right. All things being equal, you have the opportunity. You have an equal opportunity to go get a public education. Uh, yeah. Okay. For, for a discussion point. I don't know if that's really the case or not, but I think it is the, the case. The schools are there. Yeah. And I think if you apply yourself and oh, your parents yeah. are part of the activity yes. and you do the assignments and you do the work and you take advantage of the opportunity that's given to you, which is the same opportunity as the kid from the upper middle class suburban school, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Schools are schools. Yes, some are better, some are worse. Some perform better, some perform worse. Some teachers are better, some are worse. But I'm telling you, if you go to school, and you learn and you apply yourself and you quit screwing around and you do what you're supposed to do, you have the same opportunity to go as far in life as anybody else. Yes. All right. But, we agree but, on that. Yes. But that, that's not, it's not handed to you on a silver platter. You can't. That's exactly it. You cannot ensure an equal outcome. That's right. Equity. There is no equality of outcome. There's only equality of opportunity. And I don't care what color you were. We had kids in our upper middle class school district that were absolutely dirt poor. Yep. That did phenomenally well in school and they're incredibly successful today. Right? Yep. And they it's had not... the same opportunity as I did and you did, right? That's right. And they did and they're doing very well. Right. You know, this whole notion of, of systemic racism that you bring up, Bravo, I, I, I agree. 
And when you talk about diversity and inclusiveness, that's just shoving one racial group ahead of another. That's right. It's it's racist to say it that. is racist. It's absolutely it's absolutely a, a a a form of racism as far as I'm concerned. And we're not on YouTube, so I could we can say it because we're. Oh yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I I when we grew up, we all said the Pledge of Allegiance. I had yep. black, brown, yellow kids in my class, just like you did. We were all the same. That's it. We That's right. all got along. But we also we also got along because the common common goal was to do your best and to and to and to rise to the occasion. Those those opportunities are, you know, you're not you're not encouraged today. Kids are not encouraged today to do their best. They're encouraged to be to blame and to to, to oh, be you're failing out of school. You're failing out of school. It's because you're black. That's right. You're failing out of school because you're this. You're not being treated well because you're LGBT or this or that or the other thing. And they want to apply labels as excuses for kids not applying themselves. Right. I mean, there's there's something to say about self-reflection and self-responsibility. Take responsibility for your own actions. Don't blame it on anyone else. All right. You know, look, that's exactly right. You know, I want to move this along a little bit mm-hmm. here, but um, I had the, I had the, you know, along with the, the systemic destruction, right. And the problems that we're seeing, mm-hmm. I live in a little bit different area than Bravo. Okay. I live in uh, a major suburb of a, a metropolitan area. It's very densely populated. Uh, it's a little bit different arrangement than Bravo has. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a very diverse population here. Black, brown, yellow, uh, you name it, we've got it. And that's great. It's wonderful. It, everything's fine. We have a huge issue here with our crime level is getting very, very bad. Mm. Um, and the violent, I mean, you know, petty crime has always been a problem. It's a problem everywhere. Even in, you know, rural areas, petty crime happens. It just happens. Thefts and break-ins and stuff like that happens. Our violent crime has gone through the roof here right. over the past three years. Yep. Because there's no accountability. Well, that's part of it. So over the weekend, we have a county police system here. Uh, most mm-hmm. people have a county sheriff and local PD. We have a county sheriff as well as a county or a municipal police department for the entire county. It's a very large police department. Mm-hmm. Very large. Huge. Huge. I live in Montgomery County, Maryland. It's a gigantic county. Lots of people. We border Washington, D.C. We border uh, Virginia, kind of, sort of, with the Potomac River in the middle, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we, it's huge, just huge county. And over the weekend, the Montgomery County Police Department, you know, they had their 100 year anniversary celebration. Mm. It was kind of cool, right? Yeah. So they had it at the uh, county fairgrounds, which is in Montgomery County, not far from where I live. And we've had been having some issues in my immediate area that I didn't feel were being adequately addressed. Right. So what do you do? Sit and sit and stew on it? Or do you want to go talk to somebody? Well, I'd like to talk to someone personally. Someone's mm-hmm. going to listen. No, I'm not going to tweet about it. I'm going to go see somebody. So right. the event opened at noon and I made a special trip and I went down there and I found my precinct commander. Mm. Nice guy. 
he says, Hey, how you doing? I says, I'm, I'm okay. How are you? He's like, well, I'm great. This is a great, I said, this is a nice event. I'm said, um, why don't you come on over here? I'm going to have a tough conversation with you. And he's <laughs> like, Oh boy, you know, one of those. Right. Right. And I said to him, I said, Hey, listen, I know you guys are fighting a fight here and your guys are fine. I get it. I says, I think you're doing all you can do, but we have a serious problem. He says, I agree with you hundred percent. He says, we have a very serious problem that we can't even address. And I said, well, why? <laughs> he says, well, you know, it's, it all goes back to leadership and this, that, and the other thing. He says, I cannot recruit or retain police officers. Which is because the effect of the, from, which is the effect from George Floyd. Right. And the, the Floyd effect. Defund the police. Now, That's who, right. who in their right mind would think if, if anyone would think about what it used to be with police officers and how they were, you know, and then press gets a hold of these one off stories. Yeah. Are there bad cops? Sure. Yeah, like not a one tenth of one percent. Yeah. And I don't know a lot of them. I got to be honest with you. I don't know any bad cops, to be honest with you. They're all, they were fine for me. Even when I got pulled over, you know, and, and this whole thing about being, you know, other, you know, other issues with police officers pulling over a certain, look, if you're breaking the law and they pull you over, all right, how they treat you is a typically nine times out of 10, it's fine. But the one time out of 10 doesn't mean it's the norm. <laughs> it's the exception to the rule, not the norm. But the problem is the defund the police narrative came out and that is now becoming the new normal which I That's hate right. that word, by the way, I hate new normal, but the new normal is now everyone gets pulled over and beaten up and they're, it's just, that's not true. Well, it's, it's worse than that. You know, look, you know, talking to this young man and, and I get to say that now because I'm his, I'm his elder. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was crazy, right? I, I'm talking to this uh, commander of the precinct here. And I, I, I said, and he, I said to him, I said, Hey, listen, I, I know you're fighting a tough fight. I used to do this, that, and the other thing. And I, and I get how you guys operate and I, I understand. And he's, and I said, you guys have to start fighting and pushing back hard against these far left politicians that have absolutely ruined cultural norms. Right. And get district attorneys in there are going to prosecute criminals. Right. And that is the biggest thing um, that we're talking about here. Right. Systemic destruction. Do you think it's accidental or purposeful that these county executives and county legislatures, these far left radicals that have been elected, are telling their chiefs of police and their district attorneys don't make felony arrests? This young commander went on to tell me, he told me, he said, it's incredibly difficult for us to prosecute a felony arrest have it prosecuted. We'll mm. arrest people for felonies. He said, well, we don't have any problem arresting you for a felony and booking you in, and then we'll take you down to the jail and blah, 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 blah. And we'll see you four hours later before the ink is dry on our paperwork. Mm. Does anybody see the problem here? Well, that's where I talk about systemic destruction. Absolutely. Do you, there was do you... never, never once in my life. And I, we were saying this before the show. Where the, how did we get here? Because we never think about doing any of, th any of these things, let alone wanting, you know, to, to take someone's car. It's not mine, you know, and, and 
you you can you can shoplift in California up to nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, and you're not going to get put in jail. What do you think is going to happen? Everyone's going to be taking things out of stores. I mean, this is crazy. They're just promoting violence and they're perpetuating it, right? And right. and the young man, to his credit, sat there and listened to me. Hmm. He actually listened to me. Yeah. And he says, well, what's your proposed solution? And I looked at him and I said, You're not going to like it. <laughs> I said, young man, I am not proposing solutions. I'm not a public policy major. I, I didn't study that. I have a, you know, a master's in business, yeah. right? I said, I don't have a solution to your problem. I said to him, but how can I help you solve it? Right. Okay. How can I help you solve the problem? I can't solve it. But if I have to solve it, you're going to hate the way I do it. And he says, I understand. So our culture is being destroyed by everything being called racist that people don't like and rules that are not being followed in the name of equality or equity or whatever label somebody wants to put on it. Right. And the laws that are on the books to protect people in this country aren't being enforced by the judicial system. Right. Why? There's a narrative out there. We don't know. Don't know. Right. I don't know. So things used to be kind of cool in this country. Everybody was treated the same. Not so much anymore. That leads us to our next story. There was a, unfortunately over the weekend, there was an event that happened in uh, Buffalo. Some wacko drove a couple hundred miles to go uh, shoot people in a grocery store, at tops friendly markets outside of Buffalo or in Buffalo, New York. And mm. he killed, I believe 10 people. Yeah. So I'm not going to get into the particulars of prior contact that this guy might've had with the police or authorities or, or whatever. I, I'm just not going to get into all that. It just doesn't, doesn't make any sense to, because it doesn't make any difference. You can't precognition your way into stopping somebody from doing something, which is what lawmakers think they can do. Right. How do you stop evil? You have to fight it. How Literally. Do you fight it? How do you fight it? How do you fight an evil kid with a gun? With a gun. A good guy You're with not, a gun. That's right. A good guy with a gun is the only thing that beats a bad guy with a gun seven days a week, twice on Sundays. Oh, yeah. New York State has got some of the strictest gun control laws in the country next to Massachusetts, Connecticut, and California. Yep. This isn't supposed to happen in New York, is it? There's well, no possible way this could have happened in New York, right? Free zones mean you're not supposed to bring guns into something, right? Legally? Well, criminals seem to follow all the rules now, don't they? Oh, right? of course. Well, they don't want you to have the right to protect yourself in the state of New York. There's a court case that's about ready to be released, New York State Rifle and Pistol Club versus State of New York. Mm -hmm. And that's going to maybe change the dynamic a little bit. But now the Democrats are going to go on to a gun control narrative. We've got to take all the guns away, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be their new battle cry along with abortion for the for the midterms. Ugh. Yep, here it comes again, you know, and, and this is a fight they're never going to win. And it's a nonsensical argument that they make because harsh language does not stop an evil person with a gun. No, and that's, that's the issue. You cannot 
use bad language to stop someone shooting at you. That's first and foremost. But uh, the government seems to, uh, this, this sounds like a false flag to me, Alpha. This really does. They need to get a narrative going. I don't know. I, I don't they got a law. I mean, this is, I do know this, that, that um, uh, Senator uh, Feinstein out of California, there's a law ready to go to confiscate guns. You're not going to, first of all, good luck trying because you're not going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, that's never going to happen. You're not going to, I mean, <laughs> no one's coming to my door not like they did in Australia. I mean, Australia got, you know, well, everybody took, gave up their guns in Australia and a boy, are they regretting that decision? But you're not going to see it here in the United States. No way. No, how sorry. It's, it's not going to happen. happen. It's never going to pass. It's never and the law happen. and the law won't pass, but they're going to keep trying to move this along. And it, you know what? Democrats, Get off it. You've lost. You had your chance. You blew it. Take responsibility. And let's get back to the way things were. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get back to some common sense and the way things used to be. Because common sense doesn't have to be that common anymore, but it should be. Absolutely. Well, anyhow, everybody, thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate you. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to us on Rumble uh, and Come join us on Twitter, and I'd like to thank our soldiers, sailors, and airmen, and our firefighters, first responders, and police officers that protect us 24-7, 365. We really mean it uh, when we say that, and I made sure that that young man at that event understood. There are a lot of us out there that are definitely on the side of right, and we just have to give these guys the opportunity to do their jobs. And so, and make sure that it does happen, and make sure that you vote, and we, we pay attention to what... The Absolutely. tea leaves around us and the data points that are there. And we're on this on the show here are going to keep talking about it. To, Absolutely. To make sure it gets out there. I, I, uh, I already said but we're trying to sign off here. Get this cut this short here. Make sure to become active and involved in your local federal state, you know, your local government, your state and your federal. All politics happen at your level, at the local level. That's where you can affect the most change. Make sure to tell the cops that you're on their team. They need that. Right. They need it. Yep. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us. Make it a great week out there. Enjoy yourselves. And thanks for spending an hour of your time with us. Have Take care, day. everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Again, thanks for listening. This is the end of our Signal 50 transmission.